0: Well, good morning, good morning, and again, happy Mother's Day. It's a good day. Uh, one thing I'd like to point out is that, if you'd like, we have in the back, we have chocolates for all your moms back there, and we also have a place for you to take a picture, if you'd like, together with whoever you'd like. So, after the service, feel free to eat. If you don't, I will take the rest of the chocolates. <laughs> so, you're on a diet. Great, I'm not. So, anyways... <laughs> Um, as you know, I like to encourage all of you to read the word of God. I encourage you today to read Romans chapter eight verses 38 through 39 to be encouraged in the Lord and, uh, encourage you to continue praying, with, uh, throughout the week and, uh, pray that God will use you to, you know, bring the word of God to someone, you know, to bring the gospel, the good news. And sometimes, sometimes we just need to remind ourselves of the good news. Let's go now to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before you today. Um, it is a, it's a great time to come together and, and fellowship and to gather under your name. Because that's, that's what this one day of the week, Sunday, it's about essentially every week is Resurrection Sunday. To say that Jesus is alive and he loves us despite our failures. Oh God, thank you for this day in which we come together to celebrate you. God, we do pray a special prayer upon all the mothers in whatever capacity that is, spiritual or physical. I pray that you give them encouragement and uplift them to remind them that you love them and there's no such thing as a perfect mom. There is only a perfect Christ who fulfills all those flaws. And you are doing a great job raising us, Lord, through them. Thank you for that hope. And God, now we also too ask that if there's any sin in our life, that you help us, Lord, repent of it. Bring it to our minds. Help us not justify it. Lord, we do a lot of things we don't even realize that are sin. But through your word. You will show us. We know you will. That's your promise. And then help us repent of it. And God, we also ask that you be with those people who are not here today. Bless them, encourage them, uplift them. Let them know they're being prayed for. And God, we pray also too for all the churches and all the missionaries and Christians meeting around the world who don't have the luxury of meeting in the open like this. We pray for their encouragement. We pray that they continue in the faith. And Lord, we pray that we do the same. We pray this in your son's name, that we may be filled with hope, love, and peace to live the faith consistently out before you. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, one of the uh, the things that makes the gospel such good news, right? It's not the only thing, but one of the main things is that for us who believe in the gospel, We no longer have to worry about losing in this life. We don't have to stress out and exhaust ourselves to win in this life anymore. The gospel message of God's grace says that Christ has already won for us. He has beat the power of death and sin in our life. He has freed us from this world's hold upon us. Life no longer depends upon us anymore, and amen to that. We no, long, we no longer need to gain the approval of people in our life. Boy, sometimes as a mom, when raising kids, I can see that. But rather, we have all the approval we need in Jesus Christ. We no longer need to be controlled by rejection in this life, because we have all the acceptance we need in Christ Jesus. We no longer need to claim our honor and fight for our honor, because Christ has given us all the honor we need, all by faith in Him alone. We don't need to go around consumed with protecting our reputation because our reputation now is all protected in Jesus. He's he's, he's fulfilled it all. He's done it all. All that we are now, who we are, what makes you, you is all found in Christ. Our sins, our sins do not define us anymore. Our achievements do not define us. We no longer need to work exhaustively in in removing or building our our identity in such things. For we have been united in Christ by faith alone in him. He has freed us from, from this world to be who he wants us to be. Freed from looking to self for anything and freed to looking to him for absolutely everything. We are now freed from this burden of life and trying to make it in this world. We have been fully removed from that because everything was placed upon Christ for us. You know, he has achieved everything for us by faith alone in Him. And I can't stress that enough because we forget it all the time. For through faith in Him and what He has done for us, we have now made it in this life. Yes, you have made it in this life right now. How? How? Because we are children of God now. We are God's people. We are his free people right now. We have his favor. We have his love upon us. Not because of anything we did or do. But because of what his son has done for us. We've made it. That's it. And by his power, he will make us and change us to reflect that freedom as his children in this world. For through Christ coming into this world and living a perfect life, a life of no sin, by him coming and obeying all the laws of God perfectly, emotionally, mentally, and physically, something that we could not and could never do, He went to the cross to be the sacrifice for our sins, to die in our place, to take the wrath we deserve. And by him coming back to life, he now gives us forgiveness from our sins. He gives us eternal life. He gives us true freedom. And all this glory is ours simply just by faith in Christ, through trusting in him, through trusting in this new relationship that we have by faith in him. He applies it all to us and he changes us. And this is kind of, this whole section from verse 20 to verse 24 is what Paul's going over and helping us see. So today we're just going to go over one one verse, verse 21 of chapter 4. And for setting this up, right, to follow this train of thought, Paul is exhorting these, these Ephesians to no longer live like the unbelieving world in any fashion of life. They have been freed from such a life, he says, that, And as with us now, by simply trusting in Jesus. And in this text, then, what we're going to look at, Paul is going to reveal how that's even possible. So as our title says, it's all about knowing Jesus. That's it. It's all about knowing Jesus. So Paul, in a nutshell, is going to say, rest in Christ by faith. He'll take care of you. And those sins that keep haunting you and you struggle with, Just keep focusing on Jesus. Focus on Christ. And stop worrying about trying to fix them yourself. He's got you fully covered by faith alone in Him. So let's look at the text here before we kind of tear it apart a bit. Or really, should I say tear us apart? Paul says in verse 21, Assuming that you have heard about Him and were taught in Him as the truth is in Jesus. Now, Paul's not doubting that they heard about Jesus Christ by saying, assuming, right? We would say, oh, is he doubting that they heard? No, because he opened the letter, opened this very letter saying how he has heard how they have faith in Christ. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15, it says, Because I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints. and So what he's doing here is reminding the Ephesians of the very things that they forget and we forget all the time. That the power of overcoming this world, overcoming our worry, overcoming our harshness, overcoming our fear, our anger, our lust, our impatience, our self-centeredness, our jealousy, our pride, our addictions, whatever sin you want to put in that list, whatever, thing, whatever, whatever you can think of, we overcome our sin not by us or what we do, We don't have power to do such things. It doesn't come from us. And this brings us to our first point. Christ is where your power comes from. You and I have no power to overcome anything sinful on our own. We think we do. We think we can do it. But then we just end up becoming self-righteous because we stopped doing a certain behavior in our life. And we started, well, look what I did. And then pride gets involved. Self-righteousness gets involved. Or the opposite. We just end up getting frustrated and disheartened because every time we try to stop a certain sin, we end up doing it anyways. That's that's my life. (laughs) Paul here is saying, remember when you heard about Christ and what he did for you? Remember the good news was all about how he has accomplished everything for you? And not what you accomplish or can even bring to him. Remember salvation came to you through hearing of the gospel and you believing it. Remember how this whole Christianity thing is all about receiving Jesus and his works on your behalf. And if we get really technical here with the the Greek here, this aspect of of hearing about him, hearing and and coming into a, a... it has this, this aspect of coming into a relationship with him. So it's not just this audible words that people were speaking of the gospel, but this calling from the, on the heart that comes from Christ. So you could translate it more directly, and more literally. Surely you heard him. Paul is saying in some sense, remember, he's, Christ spoke to your heart through the message of the gospel preached to you. And this is what changed you and what brought you into a relationship with him. Christ came to you on a personal level and called you out and gave you life in him by faith in him so you can be with him and have this personal relationship with him forever. So think of it this way. The gospel in which we now believe is about Jesus and what he has done. It's not just this history lesson But it's a a means in which Christ comes to you and me on a personal level. That's what Paul is getting at. You heard him. He says, remember that personal connection you have with Christ that that came simply by having faith in him, by hearing him. Remember how he came to you and, and gave you true hope in this hopeless world. Remember how he came to you and gave you a true security to know that your end is now destined to be with him in glory and and it's not doom, it's not hell. Remember how he came to you to give you relief from all your sins and burdens through his free and gracious forgiveness. He says, remember that? Remember hearing about that? Well, don't forget it because that's where the power comes from. For you to live as a free person from the power of sin in your life. And to not live like the Gentiles do or non-believers do. It's not found in what you do and what you can do. It's found in what he did for you. Focus on that. And he also says, don't you remember how you were taught in him? Meaning, remember as Christ came to you through the preaching of the gospel, which uplifted your soul, and how through the continual preaching of the word, which all ultimately points to Jesus and his gospel, how Christ himself has been teaching you to trust in him for all things, to look to him for everything. What Paul is doing here by saying taught in him, Paul here is is pointing out something vital. It's vital in how we're to understand The Bible, because that's how we know Jesus. And this brings us to our second point. This is how he teaches us to know Christ more. This is our second point. To know Christ more, we go to his word. Paul is saying the Bible is is our primary way of growing in our personal relationship to Jesus through faith in him. For for as we can see here, taught in him or taught in Jesus means that the whole Bible is about Jesus Christ. For that is where we go to learn about Jesus and his word. That's how he speaks to us. That's his primary way. We don't just go to parts of the Bible, just the part where it mentions the name Jesus or like the gospels. No, we go to all of it. All of it is all about Messiah. It's all, of it about, it's all about Jesus Christ, both old and all the way up to the new, from Genesis to Revelation. So, so this relationship that we have with Christ is not some far-off mystical thing that we have to do to know our Savior. We don't have to go die in a cave. No, he speaks to us through his written word. And he teaches us through it by our faith in him now as we read it or hear it and dwell upon it. He talks to you through this. So, give me a, let, me, let me give you an example of what I'm talking about here, of what I'm saying. Let's just go to the very first book of the Bible Genesis, Genesis chapter 3, verse 15 specifically. When Adam and Eve, the fall has happened, they ate of the tree. And God is now speaking to the serpent that tempted them to first fall. God says in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. This is where we are first introduced to the gospel message in which we now believe, which changes us. We're taught in Christ. God says here in this passage that God will send the Savior, Jesus Christ, to save humanity. Even though humanity has just chose to reject God and go their own way. Here in Genesis, we are taught in him, Christ. It is here we see what the gospel has stated over and over and over and over again. That God will provide everything for sinful mankind to be saved in Jesus Christ. That Christ will come to serve you and me. He will do everything to save his people who do not deserve to be saved, but out of his grace he will save them. Christ is the one that will do everything required for us to get right before God and stay right before God by, simply by having faith in him alone. Christ, the one he's going to send, is the one that will bruise the serpent's head. Which represents Satan or sins grasped upon us. Not you, we're not gonna do the bruising. Not me, I'm not gonna do the bruising. Not our work, what we do doesn't do the bruising. Not our deeds, it's not what we do, but what Christ will do. He will do it for us, for you. He will come and save us, He will make the sacrifice. His heel will be bruised. Not mine, not yours. We can't save ourselves. But He will give up His life for us. When we read this Old Testament passage, we see, just like the Gospel message has said, Christ will defeat sin, not us. We get to see it right from the very beginning. The heart of God and Christ for sinners. There is a love for us that we do not deserve. We were doomed, but Christ came to break the curse of sin that came upon us, even though it was our fault right from the very beginning. You see the message of God's grace being stated here right in Genesis. For mankind fell, but God was going to do something about it. For we could do nothing. We were doomed to hell. That's it. But now, we're on this side of the story. Now we know the end of what is stated here in the very beginning of Genesis. We know now that, God, that Christ came to die in our place out of his love for us. And he was raised to life so we can be with him forever and forgiven in him by faith alone to be his children. See, this taught in him is, is really cool because, because it's really pushing this that the truths that truths just like we read here in Genesis are just really amplified in this close relationship that we have with Christ how truly we how truly secure we are in him by faith alone Christ teaches us this there's an impression upon our hearts that comes through through the holy spirit that uplifts our minds and souls so we can have rest in our savior and and it breaks our hearts to flee from our sins that we commit against him, the more we learn about him and what he did in in, in, in in our through as we go to his word, there's this personal relationship which grows as we read his word, which springs this conversation if you will of us say, of us saying, did you really do that for me even though you knew I was going to fail you and sin against you, even though you created paradise and 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 we just threw it away and you should have just left us and, and, and just totally obliterated humanity and said, fine, you don't want me, I'm not going to be with you anymore. But that, that's, that's not what he did. When we read passages like this, we see, we see Christ saying, yes, yes, I did that for you. I knew I wanted to be with you for eternity. I gave my life for you because I love you you can't mess it up because I'm going to make sure that it's going to be made right. Or 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20 says, For all the promises of God find their yes in Him, Christ. That is why through Him that we utter our amen to God for His glory. See, when we come to the Bible, we are taught in Him. Christ is teaching you. We have a, an intimate personal relationship with Christ right now. We have a presence with the King. We have an open line to our leader at all times. We have this favor and love upon us and care even in our worst moments. He is always faithfully there even though we are not faithful to Him. This relationship that was broken between man and God is now mended through Christ. Through faith in him, we spiritually sit with the king, as Paul says in Ephesians chapter two, verse six, and he raised us up with him, seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And and Paul is saying the Bible is the primary way of this conversation with us to know him more every day by faith. I mean, think of it this way. When we come to the Word of God, whether that's through the preaching, the teaching, personal study, or thought, we're not simply learning rules or history or poetry or prophecy or wisdom. I mean, there's a lot of different types of literature types in the Bible. When we come to the Bible, we're coming to learn Christ through having a personal relationship with him. Like when I read the book of Revelation, which everyone loves talking about the book of Revelation in the end times, I'm not reading it to see how close we are to the end times. I'm reading it to know my Christ. When I look at the book of Proverbs and I'm reading the book of Proverbs, I'm not reading it to gain some wisdom so I know how to interact with people. I'm reading it to know my Christ. Now you might say, well, wait a minute. Isn't that like important to know like the end times and like, wisdom stuff? Well, yeah, of course, of course. But know this, if you, if you take Christ and his gospel of grace out of the picture, if he's not the lens in which you are reading the word, then you're missing out what you're really reading. It's Jesus. I mean, you just look at what, what he says in Matthew 11. Verse 29, this is Jesus. He says, take my yoke upon you. Learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. How do you take his yoke? How do you learn from him? How do you find his rest? I mean, are you just going out reading things on walls? Are you looking, are you looking at eight balls to find out like, you know, what you should do next? No, you go to his word. You want to learn him? You want to know how to rest? You want to find, find his, how his yoke is easy and his burden is light? You want to learn from him? He says, learn from me? How do you do that? You go to the Bible, which all points to him in his gospel message of grace, no matter where you are in there. And guess what? As you go to, to his word to know him, be taught in him, you will be given the truth. Or as Paul says at the end in verse 21, as the truth is in Jesus. And this brings us to our last point. Jesus will make a difference in your life. See, Paul is emphasizing that through this personal relationship with Jesus, we are interacting with truth itself. Jesus is the embodiment of all truth. He is the giver of all truth. He is God, the Son incarnate. I mean, Christ himself says in John fourteen six. I am the way and I am the truth and the life. And it's interesting that that Paul just uses the name Jesus here at the end of verse 21 without saying Lord or Christ. Everywhere else in Ephesians that you read, he'll write Jesus with the title like Lord Jesus or Jesus Christ, but not here. And it's, it's significant because Paul is saying here, he's emphasizing that we're not, saved or changed and empowered by a philosophy or positive thinking, but the real historical person, Jesus Christ. It's a personal relationship with a person that you have. Jesus Christ, who lived and died and was resurrected for us, who is alive now and well in heaven in his physical body to never die again, our personal mediator between us and God. You have a relationship, a personal relationship with Jesus, the God-man, truly God and truly man. He is alive right now, interacting with you through faith in him. You are not alone. And all truth is found in him and from him. And you might ask, well, wait a minute. Why does that matter? Why does it matter that the truth is in Jesus? Why? You might ask, how does that help me right now with all that I'm going through? I, have, I just got my taxes back. I owe a, I owe a lot. <laughs> well, one reason why it matters to you and me is to know that when he came, that when we that, that when we know Christ and we get to know him more every day through his word, unlike all other people who cannot keep their promises, who have let us down, who have given us wrong advice, that is not how Christ is for what he says is true for he is truth when we came When we come to know Jesus, he gives us truth, surrounds us in truth. Our relationship with him is built on all truth. That's it. There's no lies. There's no half truths. When he says you are forgiven, it's true. When he says, I will never leave you or forsake you, it's true. When he says, I love you. It is true in the fullest sense of the word. When he says, I will get you to where I am and death and sin will no longer stop you from coming to me. He means it for his very bodily existence. Him coming back to life proves it. And the more you read about him and his word, you will see over and over and over again how he always keeps his promises and never lies. He keeps his promises even though we fail him, he never fails us. It matters because when we come to know him by faith through his word, he opens up our minds to know the truth more and more. And that helps us see through all the lies that, we, that have been woven into our life or into our minds. He opens our minds to stop finding confidence in ourselves or things or people or politics or money or titles, but to find all of our confidence as we go about our life in Him. He's why I press on as the The song says, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. I mean, think of it this way. The more you see him through his word, the more you come to understand him, the more you see how powerful he is throughout all of scripture and to understand how truly he is on your side now by faith alone. And that at many times that his own people fail him, he's still there for them. And understand how nothing in this world will ever remove his love love and favor over you. How nothing will ever take you away from being his child. Not even your own mess ups and sins. I'm good at that part. That now that you have faith in Jesus and you have faith in him, knowing these truths and dwelling on these truths which are plastered all over scripture. I don't care where you go. Guess what? The world is becomes less scary. The world becomes a little less chaotic because you see and understand that he is ruling over it all, all of it towards a certain end. He is ruling over all of it with his hand. And for us, this ruling Because of his love for us, by faith in him, he is ruling and working it all, everything in this world in such a way to always work in your favor in him to know him more and more. Even the times we fail him, he still works it for our good in him. You know what that means then? It means that no matter how much this world hurts you, no matter how much this world tries to rip away from you, no matter how much this world places its energy to make you suffer and suffer hard, you can boldly repeat what Paul has said in 2 Corinthians 4, 16-18. We do not lose heart. Though our outer nature is wasting away, our inner nature is being renewed day by day. For this slight momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comprehension. The little gray cells explode. Ah! As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient. I mean, they're just passing by. But the things that are unseen are eternal. Christ. We can still have peace and hope. And rest, for we have faith in Christ and what he has done for us. The faith is in him, not you. Even if our faith is little and weak and like wavery and like barely there, hanging on by a thread. If we have faith in Jesus, we can still, we still know him and he knows us. And he's there to remind us all that he has done for us. We have been forgiven, and we can lay aside our sins and go to him by grace and rest in his grace, all by faith alone. So come what may, right? We have a Savior who is greater than the world and greater than our sins, which people point out, or you know. And lastly, it also matters that all truth is found in him, that we now can go to him. It means that we now can go to him for the truth of any situation in our life. Go by faith in Him through His Word so we can go to understand all our situations of life correctly and how to handle them correctly and how to understand ourselves correctly. For He is the giver of our power to do so and He will guide us on how to live through faith in Him. So whether it's about our grandkids, kids, families, strangers, he will always guide us by faith, how to invest and speak to those we love. Focus on him, not them, focus on him. We can go to him on how to handle or how to deal with with those who hate us. Don't focus on them, focus on him. We can go to him how to handle our temptations. Don't focus on your temptation, focus on him. Sometimes we get so caught up, and like, oh, I can't deal with this sin, I can't deal, stop looking and look somewhere else, look at Jesus. And we can go to him on how to repent of our sins, like, man, I feel so guilty, I don't know what to do with this, go to Jesus, he'll grant you repentance, don't beat yourself up, that doesn't do anything, he got, he, he was beat up for you. Whatever be the case, we can go to him with whatever and however, whatever, he will give us the truth on how to handle it. We don't need to look to ourselves or anything else but to him, for he is the truth. And the beauty of it all, the beauty of it all, is that even when we fail to go him for such things and mess things up, which I am so guilty of, he doesn't forsake us or leave us. But always brings us back to him to remind us how he has paid for those very sins and mistakes that we just made. Amen. For he has said, he will never leave us nor forsake us. He gently picks us up to remind us of how, how he's got us. He's got you, he's got our back. And all we need to do is trust in him by faith, for he has and will take care of all things for us. For we are already forgiven. And we already have the love and favor of God upon us that will never go away. So I'll just leave you with this one quote. I kind of think it sums up what we said here today. That you know, it's all about knowing Jesus, right? That's it. This person said this. The strongest believers, definitely not me. So the strongest believers struggle with sin and failure, creating doubt and discouragement. Well, I do that all the time. We need assurance that we will reach the finish line. It's not the little train that could mentality that will bring us to victory, but the blood of Christ and the faithfulness of God. So I pray that we all could be encouraged in that, especially mothers, be encouraged. Trust in Jesus. He's raising your children quite well. Let's go to the hymn in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before you. Just asking for the gracious reminder of how your son has done everything. Lord, if there's someone here today that doesn't know you, I pray that they can just flee from their sins and say, Jesus, I need you. And I trust in you. Oh god, I pray that those who are struggling here today that they can be uplifted and encouraged to know that you love them despite their sins that even though they have trusted you and they have failed you over and over and maybe today's that day the mother's day where people realize that that they were no, they're not good they weren't they didn't love their moms enough and now they can't say anything or that they didn't love their children enough Whatever be the case, for those who maybe don't know their moms and they're struggling on today, remind them, Lord, that you are enough and that you love them. And you love us despite our sins because you sent your son to come and die for us. I pray that that encouragement can be a place upon all of us today. To know that your son has done it all. Amen.